KLS director. Lord, thank you for my wonderful wife. I just bless her in the name of Jesus to just get in the flow of what is coming from your throne at this time. Thank you for all the gifts that you've put within her and I just say, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, just as a matter of interest, has anybody come today um, in response to the message in Facebook saying, uh, I'm an inquirer, I've got questions, I'm just a beginner in the faith, if you can just give me a little wave, I'll tell you where, which room to go to, okay. Let me explain that to you, um, Jane and I were chatting together in the summer holidays and she feels like the Lord is prompting us to be more ready to um, answer people's questions, people who are just coming into the kingdom. And <laughs> just like a long time ago, before we had any babies in the fellowship, he prompted us to set up a creche before there were. And then, lo and behold... Later, we needed that creche. So this is what we're doing. She's preparing uh, two or three simple sessions, which on these Sunday mornings, during the talk time, during this time in the meeting, she's going to be available and we'll, we'll be using the prayer room through the square window for those times where it can be more question and answer. Yeah? So if you know somebody who is inquiring, asking questions, would like to know about the basics of the faith, wave to us, Jane. This is Jane here. Um, next week, we'll trial that. I don't think we have somebody this week, but we may next week. And um, then we'll review. We'll do it on these Sunday mornings and see where we go from there. But it is going to be great for people who are leading other others to the Lord on a regular basis to be able to say if you would like to come along jot some of your questions down because we can give you an hour you know at that time okay so um all good I wonder if I ought to move from here so we can I can see that better can you see those words could we take that fluorescent light off do you think just there so that we're able to read the words. Thanks a lot. So um, this month, our theme is belonging. And last Sunday, we began by looking at the importance of a sense of belonging. Um, I said to Sheila, I looked up in psychology today and they say that next to shelter and food, belonging is a basic human need. And God has put that need in every single human being because he intends to meet it. He intends to meet it through belonging to him and knowing him and through belonging to his body, the church. Um, and so in an the book of Romans, Paul writes, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You. You, 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 me, you, 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 you. You are among those. And that's one of the things the enemy will try to convince us that there's something uniquely problematic about you that means that you don't belong well. He's a liar. He is the father of lies. Everything he says is a lie. That's not true. You belong. Oh, thank you. That's a lot clearer now. Great. Next slide, please, if you can do that. That would be great. So last week we looked at how when we first come to belong to Jesus... Baptism is the step we take that seals that uh, decision. 
and we had the pleasure of baptising the lovely Ellen. Is Ellen here this morning? Give us a wave, Ellen. Give her a round of applause. We baptised her down at the beach. So she's been baptised into Christ, and she's been baptised into the family of God. And she belongs. That's a fact. Feelings come and go. That is established now, that on the day you were baptised, it's a done deal, it's sealed. And so God gives us that moment. How many people here have been baptized? Put your hands up. That's great. A lot of you. That's great. So we began our journey at some point with baptism. But Jesus has given us another thing as well as baptism, which is a means of our ongoing connection to that covenant relationship. And it is the Lord's table. It's the bread and the wine. It's communion. Through communion, we continue our connection to him and to his body, the church. Next slide, please. So <clears throat> during the summer, I started to think about this quite a lot and to talk to others. And I read a couple of books which really stirred me in this area because I was feeling a little bit uneasy that in many of our modern day churches, communion could perhaps begin to be a bit trivialized, that maybe we don't fully understand what Jesus intends for us to receive from it, and we can squeeze it out. And we've certainly been guilty of that in the lighthouse of not really finding time and room to really honour the communion table. And I think if you look at churches in general, you'll see that we've started to build our gathering times around the talk, not so much around the table. But if you go back and look to the last days of Jesus' life and the first days of the early church, the first disciples, the table and the bread and wine were absolutely central. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the breaking of bread. That's what this is, okay? It was something that they were really devoted to and they generally met around the table. And if you look through the Gospels again, you'll, you'll see there are so many times when Jesus has interactions with people over a meal, over the table. It's something different that Jesus inaugurated, and it's very important. So I have been doing some repenting, and I've been asking the Lord to teach me and reveal me some things, because I don't want to trivialize something that Jesus spoke of in his last days. So like at the moment, lovely Debs's dad is in his last days. And very often when somebody's in their last days, weeks, months of life, they have important things that they want to get over to their dear ones that they want to communicate. And Jesus, in his last days, was very um, intentional about talking about the bread and the wine. So that should make our ears prick up, yeah? This is something that he considers is important for us, not an add-on. Um, and so... Through our summer break, once a week, uh, I met here with others who were interested and we've been on a bit of a journey of exploration, looking at the scriptures and taking communion together in order that more could be unfolded to us, some of which I'd like to share with you today because we're going to make some plans to perhaps readjust our emphasis so that we can really honour this and lay hold of the power, the power 
that is available at the table of the Lord. Um, okay, next thing, please. So, yeah, two books have helped me. Um, one is this wonderful book called Water to Wine by Brian Zand, and I can recommend that very highly. And the other is one that my friend Becky lent me by a lady called Anna Mendez Perel, called Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. I'll give you a couple of quotes from these books this morning. And it's not that one hun I agree 100% with every single thing within the books. You don't have to agree with everything to get good things out of it, do you? But there are some real gems and treasures in here. So if you read something that you think, oh, I wonder why Heather recommended that, because I, I don't know about that. Well, maybe I didn't know about that as well, but I saw things in there that I thought were fantastic. So three points to share this afternoon, this morning with you. And they all have a s sound at the beginning. That communion is sacred. That the table is central in the new covenant and that it's a spiritual meal where we can appropriate supernatural power and revelation. Who here needs or wants to partner with supernatural power and revelation? I hope you do, otherwise you're not going to get much done. Only stuff in the flesh will get done. So the first point about how sacred the table is. We live in a very secular society, don't we? And that culture, if we're not careful, can invade, can pervade our thinking. And the lovely Brian says, the most effective way to resist the debilitating effects of secularism is to take the sacraments seriously. Most effective way to resist the debilitating effects of secularism is to take the sacraments seriously. So let's just pray for a moment. You can each pray a prayer which is appropriate to how your attitude in your heart has been positioned to the bread and the wine. I will pray my prayer. And at the end, we can come together with an amen. So, Lord Jesus, I want to say sorry that I've sometimes missed the point. I've not fully realized, accessed, or passed on the importance and the power of this beautifully simple treasure that you've given us. And I want to say sorry. And I pray that from now on to the end of my days, you would keep on revealing more that I may love you more that I may appreciate you more, that I may see you better, that I may take you into myself and become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's the first thing I would love us to establish or re-establish in our midst here, that this is a sacred that we partake of and to realize that when Jesus came to minister on earth he started to shift the focus of where we go to meet with God. Up until him the tabernacle or the temple was the place you went wasn't it? Outer court, inner court, holy of holies and it was a very 
narrow access only one person once a year to actually experience the Holy of Holies, yes? And only if you were a Jew could you get in to uh, the courts of that. So it was, it was quite exclusive, wasn't it? But that was the meeting place. However, when Jesus came, he honoured that, but began at the Passover table to start to new, use new language to effect a shift. So if you can remember the Last Supper story, they would have been doing the Jewish tradition with the different cups and everything, and then all of a sudden he departs from the script and starts to talk about the bread being his body. Weird. Shocking, actually. Because we aren't from that culture, we don't realise how absolutely going off piste that was. Said, this is my body broken for you. And even more repulsive when they shared the cup. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for you. Drink this. Eat this. Eat my body. Drink my blood. He says in different parts of the Gospels, doesn't he? You know, I'm now it. I am the message from heaven. I'm the word made flesh. You need to eat and drink of me. And he teaches a lot of that, both before his death and resurrection and after his resurrection at a table setting. Think of the road to Emmaus, disciples leaving Jerusalem after they've witnessed his crucifixion. They've seen or they've heard firsthand about his whipping, his scouring, the crown of thorns, the nails going into his body, his blood draining from him, the spear going in his side. They've smelt it. They've heard the sounds. They've seen with their eyes their best friend murdered. I'm not trying to be gruesome to gross you out, but to get us to think, if you've ever seen an awful accident or something, it puts a big imprint on your mind and your memory, doesn't it? And if you see or hear anything that is connected to that, boom, you're right back in that, aren't you? Quickly. So for them, those disciples, having been traumatized and confused and disappointed, walking away from Jerusalem to then meet around the table with somebody who, when he breaks the bread, they suddenly realize, we've been here before. This is him. And they see the scars on his hands. It makes an enormous emotional connection in them. Yes? And 2,000 years later, by faith, using our sanctified imaginations, he intends that we can make an enormously powerful connection with him at the table too. That we see his sacrifice afresh. We remember how much it's cost him to forgive us. The lengths he has gone to persuade us that we are loved and we are acceptable. So when we see this, 
it's good to pause. In our enthusiasm in New Covenant Church, we like to shift the emphasis from Christ on the cross to the empty cross, the empty grave, and the victory. Good! But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget the suffering Christ. Yeah? To have the balance of the two would be good, wouldn't it? So it's a sacred activity. The table, I believe, should be more central to our time of gathering. And it is a spiritual meal. It isn't only a symbol. It is a spiritual meal for those who connect with Christ by faith. If you and I only think it's a symbol, that's what it will be. But if we believe, okay, he's left this on purpose for us to access something of him, to remind us of him, that we can take a bit of him in, then that's what will happen. It's a way of us appropriating supernatural power and revelation that he can give us Heaven's perspective, he can show us new ways of thinking. He can give us strength. It's a place to find grace to help in time of need. It's a place to receive deliverance, salvation, and healing. The full sozo package. Everything is dealt with. On the cross by Jesus. He has cried, it's finished, it's complete. So whatever your need or my need today, we can appropriate something from him at the table today. That's good news, isn't it? If we don't just flip past it. <laughs> um. remind myself what I was going to do here. Oh, yeah. So it's stories that, like this that have refired my hunger and faith for more of um, the supernatural power that could be accessed in communion. Um, I'm going to read you two short testimonies from Anna. One day I had a glorious experience that transformed my whole concept of that life in Jesus' blood that is now part of me. I had just taken communion and I was enjoying deep meditation on my Lord when my spirit was carried to the Holy of Holies in heaven. The Ark of Covenant glowed. It was full of a shining energy that is difficult to describe. It was like an incredibly dense, churning fire. Rays of light beamed out of it. Then I saw Jesus enter in. I could only see his white, glistening clothing. His face was hidden behind the shining glory that surrounded him. A formless mass, like a wafting, floating liquid, was in front of him moving towards the ark. I knew somehow it was his blood. Suddenly, he puts it upon the mercy seat between the two cherubim that guard the cover. A magnificent power was produced in that instant. It was like seeing the explosion of an atomic bomb. Everything shook fiercely in heaven and on earth, and an endless thunder filled the entire place. The power that came forth from the blood of the ark reached me at that moment, and I felt as if thousands of volts of electricity were going through me. My entire body turned red. His blood was in every atom of my being. The power of the ark was now upon me. I saw it circulate as if there were hundreds of lightning bolts running through my body. I thought I was literally going to die. 
it was much too powerful for a mortal, ordinary being like me. His voice resounded strongly, saying, My father has received my blood, and now it has united with his spirit. Receive the life in my blood. I'll say that again. Receive the life in my blood. Something that I did not understand was happening that would change everything I knew about his blood. I came back from that experience and found myself again in my bedroom. But everything within me was different. I would never again think of the blood of Jesus as a ritual or a verbal proclamation. It was something that would lead me to a deeper understanding and knowledge of God. So she had that personal experience at home, having taken communion, and that's one idea I would like to sow into our minds. And the second short testimony that I'll read to you happens when she's in church. I was caught up into the heavens. I understood the glorious power of the blood of Jesus. I was desperately in love with Jesus. I wanted to see him, touch him, love him with my entire being. My heart was dying to be with him in a different, deeper way than I had so far. I was worshipping in the church when a kind of cloud of the Holy Spirit surrounded me. Suddenly, I was taken to another dimension and I was no longer in the earthly realm. I was surrounded by light everywhere. The light was alive and it moved as if doing a dance in which the reflections and flashes made all sorts of light effects before my eyes. Unexpectedly, from the glimmering lights, a glorious figure appeared that looked like the Son of God. I was before Jesus. Without a word, he extended his hand and an enormous drop of blood, the size of a melon, appeared floating above my head and he said, drink. I opened my mouth and drank it in one big gulp. Then a second and a third drop of the same size showed up and he commanded me to drink them. Upon drinking the last one, I fell onto my back and I noticed that my body had turned red. I was full of the blood. The Lord remained before me, surrounded by those shining lights. Then he made a signal with his hand and a demonic creature appeared that immediately tried to climb on top of me. But when the demon touched my body, from the blood within me, a consuming fire went forth and it instantly destroyed it. And it was dumbfounded. Then he made me get up. I was still full of that blood everywhere, inside and out. Next he made some type of tissue appear before me that looked like a tumour. He said, this is a mortal illness. I want to show you the power of my blood upon it. Don't be afraid. Open your mouth and eat it. And when I had done it, the tumour was burned up instantly as it came in contact with the blood. I was amazed. And he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood because I will give you great victories against evil and against sickness. So this is another important point to do with the table about releasing healing, which we'll come back to in a moment. Then I looked and saw that from his body shone a fire that did not burn him. It was like looking at pure energy churning within his being. He stopped in front of me. I had my hands raised. He put his hands over my hands and then his face in front of mine. His heart was pressed against mine and he said, Well, this is interesting. The time is coming when I will come upon my people Hands upon hands, eyes upon eyes, mouth upon mouth, heart upon heart. And in that instant, a powerful energy went forth from his body, his face, his hands, and saturated me. Again, I thought I would die. 
The force that penetrated me was so powerful that I thought I'd burst right there. In that moment, my spiritual heart was pierced by that power. And then I was returned to the earthly dimension. Six hours had passed. This is a long meeting. But the people of the church had not left my side. They were waiting for me to return. Only God could have made them stay there because nothing like this had ever happened to anyone there before to help them understand what was happening to me. I was on the floor without being able to move. The weight of his glory was so heavily upon me. A demon-possessed woman was there that day in the congregation and she approached me. I remember that just by touching her, the demon screamed and left her. I could not get up, but I could talk. So I began to call the members of my church one by one to impart into the hearts the power that God had given me. We will never forget that day. I bet they won't. Wow. I know these stories might sound a bit far out, but I want to whet our appetite and raise our expectation. And raise our expectation of what is possible at the table. I've been thinking far too small. And don't we need that power at work in our generation? Next slide, please. So during this summer, we looked at these different scriptures and I've put them on the board. I'm not going to read them all out, but if you are interested in doing a journey with me, this term into more of this. Perhaps you would note these scriptures down and read them for yourself and, and start to engage in the revelation that is within them. Many of them are also on this little board which recorded each week what God was showing us as we met together through the summer. And so we realized that Jesus taught in Luke 22 he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. No photographs in those days. No Facebook. No videos. No albums to remind. This is the photograph of Jesus. Could you break the bread, Phil? This is the photograph of him. The body broken and pour some of the juice the blood poured out we also learnt um, in John 6 56 Jesus said whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me abides continues remains this is a way of us continuing our connection and allowing some life to flow into us in a regular way from heaven. He has given us his spirit as a gift and he is with us always. But there is something about remaining in Christ that can be accessed through communion. In the first book to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. If I can find that. I don't know if it's up here. No. Paul talks about when we eat of the bread and drink of the blood, we are participating in his body and in his blood. And though we are all one, because we're all partake of one bread, it makes us one body. So something spiritual happens when we all share of the one bread, where we all go, it's Jesus who is the one. He's the Messiah. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We're agreeing. 
and somehow some unity is affected through partaking of the one bread. Luke 24, verse 30 to 35, tells the story of those disciples, disappointed disciples, walking away from Jerusalem, wondering what on earth is going to happen on the road to Emmaus, and how it seemed to them a stranger came up and started to discuss with them the things that had been happening, and their hearts started to burn within them. They got a spiritual witness inside of them that this man, there was something about him, really interesting that they did not recognize him, even though they'd had three years with him in his resurrection body for some reason. At that point, they didn't realize it was him. Where did they start to get that revelation and that recognition of who he really is? the resurrected Christ, the victorious Jesus, they got it at the table. Because they said, oh, to him, because he was making to carry on on his journey while they were going to stay overnight in the inn. And they said, no, stay with us. And they ate, and it was only when he broke the bread that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I believe it's possible that our spiritual eyes can be opened to recognize more of who he truly is when we come by faith to the table. Who wants to see him, more of him, that we can appreciate who he is and strengthen our connection to him? I believe it can happen. And uh, do you know, I believe it can happen for those who are coming into the kingdom too. We dared to talk about this on the Wednesday night in the summer, that maybe this is a place where people can become a Christian, that they hear the good news in the congregation and they respond because the invitation is open. The Gospels record that Jesus shared the table with sinners and we dared to talk about it, and then dear Debs, who's with her dad today, decided that she would take communion to her father, who's in hospital, who is a new believer now. But another member of her family was there when she took it, her sister, who she thought was not yet in relationship with Jesus. But the sister wanted to stay and wanted to take communion. And Debs was able to give her a small bite of the truth in that moment. Okay, I know I'm on dodgy ground here. I'm not trying to convince you of something. I am saying we're learning about this. Okay. But the whole point of the curtain being ripped in two was to say, free access now to me, the body and the blood, to Jesus. Free access to all. He's broken out and he's available to all. So this is where we proclaim. We proclaim the death of Jesus so don't you think every time the disciples had a meal where there was bread and there was wine, ooh, flashback, and they would remember his death and how much he endured and how faithful he was and what a perfect, pure sacrifice he was and how he carried through what he said he was going to do and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. They'd be reminded of how determined, how yielded, how laid down he was. He laid down his life for his friends. And they would proclaim his death. And the scripture says, when we do this, we proclaim his death till, till he comes. Interesting that they, being so in touch with that, were then enabled to lay down their lives for the gospel. 
for you and I. Because if they hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be here today. Jesus put all his hope in those early disciples that they would be faithful to proclaim even under the pressure of death. And they did it. Isn't that amazing? We may not face that kind of trial, persecution here, but there are places in the world where our brothers and sisters do face that. And I wouldn't mind... This sounds very rude, but I wouldn't mind placing money on the fact. I would bet on the fact that they draw strength from the communion table to endure what they endure. Um, and last but not least, the whole passage in 1 Corinthians 11, which is often read before people take communion, which says, you know, you shouldn't take this in an unworthy manner, and a man should examine himself before taking this. And there's a warning that Paul gives to the Corinthian church that because they'd been a bit of a rabble around the table, not loving one another, but diving in and eating it all before their brothers and sisters arrived and even getting drunk at the table. All right, so get that context clear in your mind. That's the context he's talking about this. He said, because of that desecration of the table and not recognizing the body, not recognizing the body of Christ, not recognizing not only the bread, but the importance of one another. He said, in that setting, there is sickness, etc. All right? So... Unfortunately, because of the, that scripture and a religious way of using it, some people have felt scared to death to take communion because they think, oh, I might be unworthy. I might have done something wrong. Yes? And it's held people back from the free access. A worthy manner is not being perfect a worthy manner is having a right attitude to the body of Christ. To say, I'm important, you're important too. Christ is in me, Christ is in you. I might not like the way you do X, Y and Z, but Christ is in you and he's in me, so we're one. And I will honour you. And I'm not going to judge whether you ought to be eating this. I will only judge myself and examine my own heart that I've got that attitude. Christ in me, Christ in you. I trust him, the great judge, about everybody else. I just look at me and I go, I love you, Jesus. I need your mercy. I'll give mercy to everyone else. And thank you. And receive. Now what interests me then, if taking the bread and the wine in an unworthy manner could lead to dis-ease, disease, what could happen if as a company we learn how to take it in a worthy manner? Honouring the body and the blood. And honouring the body. Could we flip that? Could we see instead of disease being rampant, divine healing and health breaking out in the church of God? Wow, does that excite you? I'd like to do an experiment. I'd like to do this and see what happens. Next one, I think we're nearly there. Yes. So we've got a little bit of a plan. We want to up the availability 
of communion in our gathering times this term. But I didn't want just to put it out willy-nilly without doing any of this sharing and preparing and teaching first. Otherwise, we would just uh, view it in the same way we always have. Okay? So we are going to, uh, every fourth Sunday of the month, have an evening which is worship and communion and probably some blessings. But that's what it will be through the term. Okay? So I invite you to join me at that table and come on this journey with me. We are also going to make bread and grape juice available in these Sunday morning meetings from 10 o'clock, you know, at, at places around the room. So that as you come in and have coffee and connect with people, and somebody, for example, Des told me today as I was chatting to her that she got a bad back, you could say together, well, let's go take communion together and pray for one another and find grace to help with whatever's happening in our lives, okay? So be free. Don't wait for somebody through the mic to say you can go now. It's there. It's open, all right? And parents, in this church, we give the responsibility to the parents to decide whether their children are ready to receive that. We don't decide that. So you know your children, you know where they are, and if you feel that you would like them to partake, then we're quite happy for that. They're probably more likely to take it in a worthy manner than grown-ups anyway, all right? Because of simplicity. Yeah. Um, so it'll be out. Uh, Cafe Church is going to include communion on their tables once a term. Home groups, we would love you to consider exploring taking communion together as part of your time. It's up to you how frequently you do that. But please, would you consider that in your home groups? And how about even thinking about making this a regular practice in your own home? Maybe one night a week, you know, if you have a family meal on a Friday night or a Sunday lunch or something, beginning your meal with the bread and the wine and hearing one another bless one another. Wouldn't it be good if every child could hear their father or mother bless them every week at the table? And if you're not sure about how to do that, we're going to, at some point this term, set up here on a Friday night a family pizza and communion night where you can come together as a family group or as an individual and come and enjoy supper together and we will break the bread and have the wine or juice together as well in a meal context. Okay, It's not that that's the one and only right way, but it might spark off ideas for you. And I am going to have a period of 10 days, starting on Monday, where I'm going to take communion every day in some way and see what the Lord shows me. So if any of you want to join me, it's not a fast, it's a feast, <laughs> um, in a period of 10 days so that we can focus on it a little while. You're welcome to join me. Okay, I'm in your own home, but separately, but together. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. What have I just said? Uh, lastly, last slide, please. So, um, Phil, could you find that track for us? So we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion together. On Thursday this week at KLS completely unplanned and uh, uncoordinated. Nathan was speaking in the morning, and at the end of his talk, he said, I think we should take communion together. So we had communion. In the afternoon, Jan and other second years had set up some encounter bases for us, and one of the bases was beautifully laid out communion. In the evening, guess what? <laughs> We had communion together three times in one day. 
without consulting with one another. That's what I call God trying to get our attention. Like neon arrows. Pay attention. I'm trying to say something to you. All right. I don't think that was a coincidence. Do you? So, as we come to the table now, I want you to know that you are welcome. You're welcome to come up and break off a piece of bread, take a napkin, a cup, go back, maybe find somebody to share that with. You can take it on your own, you can take it in a group, you can take it in pairs. All I say is, when you come, please come by faith, that you are going to receive something which is spiritual, which is sacred. And whatever your needs are, that supernatural power is available to you from Jesus through the blood and the body. Healing, deliverance, salvation. Nothing's as powerful as the blood of Jesus. This is where we access victory. You might feel like you're surrounded by enemies. But we're invited to come to a table in the presence of our enemies and eat. And this church is where we're going to fight our battles this year. And win the victory by the blood of Jesus. And the word of our testimony. Would you stand with me right now? We invite you, Holy Spirit, to invade this moment. And to anoint this time as we come to partake of your body and blood. We want to come in a worthy manner, honouring your sacrifice, Jesus, as the once and for all way that we access salvation, healing and deliverance. Meet with us at the table. Open up our eyes and feed us by faith on your body and your blood. We love you, Lord. Amen.